Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to a new week. The Super Bowl matchup is set and the baseball insiders are back live on the air on this beautiful Monday, still January, so close to February, but less than two weeks away from a Super Bowl battle of features, my co-host, Robert Murray's Philadelphia Eagles. I told him I'd give him a go birds. I will give him a go birds. You'll give me a hundred go birds back. Robert Murray, how's your day? How was your weekend? Let's get into it. Dude, my weekend was glorious and a happy and go birds to you as well. Um, Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm still riding that high. I flew back to Wisconsin to watch a game with my dad, who just so happens to be a 49ers fan. So uh, apologies to my dad, Neil Murray, but um, go birds to him, too. We're in the Super Bowl, baby. Let's go. You Not only are you in the Super Bowl, but it wasn't particularly close, scary, terrifying. It was uh, 49er fans can't even really like they don't have a gripe. It's not like, oh, this call didn't go our way. Or like, ah, it's like your quarterback didn't play in the entire football game. So obviously if that had been different, things might have turned out differently. But you didn't even have three quarters to dream on. It was like six minutes of competitive football, and then it was just an Eagles party. No, that's exactly what it was. And I'll tell you, even when it was 7-7, to I was stressing uh, just because I'm an Eagles fan. I'm used to heartbreak. Um, But thankfully, Nick Sirianni and the boys got her done. I'm already a nervous wreck. for this Chiefs Super Bowl, I've already sent texts to Patrick Allen, who is a very nice fellow that we work with here at Fansided. I haven't not sent one to Matt Verderam or Zach Best yet, but that is on my to-do list. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll send them go birds as well. I gotta I gotta send the love to everybody at Fansided for sure. Yeah, they're all nice guys, and the action is convening uh, on your home turf. Uh, right now, yes. you're in Wisconsin, but the game will be in Glendale, Arizona. Uh, and I know you have some plans, maybe not for the game day, but game week, you're going to be sort of all over that action too. I am. It's going to be, I'm going to put my NFL hat on and I'm going to be hanging with the fan sided crew, um, and hang around NFL media day. So, um, that shall be interesting. I, it's going to be weird because I'm an Eagles fan, but I also have to remain partial while I'm there. So it's like, I don't know. I'm going to have to do my best. It's going to be a challenge, but um, I, I'll be on my best behavior and make sure I don't say go birds while I'm at media day. I mean, I'm just kidding. That won't actually happen. They have nothing to worry no. about. No, no, no. Uh, but we do have, I mean, we have a go birds banner at the bottom of the screen right now. We're going to have it. I'm trying to extend this segment as I'm being a nice guy. I'm trying to extend this segment as long as I can. So you can look at that go birds banner for as long as possible. Cause uh, next week, you're going to have to snap into action and, and be really nice to the Chiefs fans because we're going to be sending some Chiefs fans down there. 
Yeah, that's that's scary. I'll see what I can do. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I'll, I'll be a, I'll be a gracious host in Arizona. Everybody's welcome. They want to come over to the Burt residence and have have dinner, or have a beverage, and more than welcome to show up. The Burt residence. Uh, well, we already know that beer may be not your vibe. So no, high noons are nothing. Yeah, noons, uh, claws, yeah. lover boys. Yeah, I've never heard of a lover boy. Oh, it's a hard tea popularized by the cast of Bravo's Summer House. That's I recommend it. All right. I, I've If there's one thing I've learned about Adam in a short time is to trust, trust him on drink opinions. So if he has something that he recommends for a drink, go with it. So there you go. That's go my finest it. I could ever give you. I, I will take that to heart, my friend. And uh, go birds. Uh, when you say you're putting on your NFL hat, do you mean like uh, just, you know, your reporter hat or like one of those hats with the flapping wings that you pull the string and it just pops off? Maybe both. Yeah, I'll tell you if I could if I could end up. Uh... <laughs> oh yeah, the Rob Lowe hat. That's uh, yeah, yeah. that's what I'm going. To. Shout out to Sean Daly for that recommendation. That's, uh... but no, it's gonna be. I'll be asking some like tough questions. I'll be asking the, all the questions at Media Day. Um, hopefully, can run into like Jalen Hurts. Hopefully, can run into all those guys of the birds. Um, yeah, I just find out more as the week goes on, but I'm just beyond the words excited for that. That is like a dream come true. And especially with it being the Eagles. Oh my gosh, Adam, that's like my lifelong dream. Yeah. Well, here we are living that dream. Glad that I get to be a small part of it. Uh, you'll be pulling no punches. Uh, and yeah, maybe rock that Rob Lowe hat. I know I will, because after watching yesterday's action, the thing I'm most in favor of is the NFL itself. The shield love those refs. They did an incredible job all day long. It's also a good shop. A good shot by Max. Another inside joke there. Um, that's glorious. But yeah. Also, Adam, since I was, I'm an Eagles fan. Obviously, I'm curious. Mm-hmm. What did you think of the officiating yesterday? I thought it was so much worse in, in Chiefs uh, Bengals. I, I don't know. I didn't pick up on uh, the Eagles Niners. It was like I, I would say Eagles Niners. It was shoddy. Like the the fumble that was blown dead where you're like, why well, blow that fumble dead? But then also the Devontae Smith catch that maybe wasn't a catch. And so it's like every team, both teams have gripes. Yeah. Bengals, Chiefs, I feel like the Bengals got railroaded like nine times out of 10. But the Bengals getting railroaded led to people questioning the last call of the game, which was accurate. Don't shove Patrick Mahomes out of bounds. It, it no, looked that- dumb. You don't want to call it, but don't do that. No, exactly. The guy he, Mahomes was—he had two feet out of bounds. I mean, it was—it was absolutely a penalty. But I was—I wanted to ask you to make sure I wasn't being biased or whatever, because I've heard a bunch of different officiating gripes with the Eagles game. Um, but I thought a lot of those calls were legit. But the Bengals game, I'm right there with you. Yeah, um, and Sean Daly also the the punt hit the wire. Yeah, was, I, I will be honest. I was watching Eagles Niners. Uh, at a bar with questionable sound. So sometimes you would have to discern what had gone wrong. And the punt hitting the wire was definitely one of those. It was like, guys are wandering around the field. People seem upset. I'm going to have to, I'll defer to the masses on that call. But I feel like, yeah, Eagles Niners was a little funky both ways, but ultimately net zero because there's no way Josh Johnson's beating the Eagles defense. Uh, the Bengals have some legit gripes. But then again, every football team does. And Maybe maybe go drive and win the game at the end instead of giving the ball back to the Chiefs and letting Patrick Mahomes eat your lunch. See, I mean, that, that seems like a solid strategy because as soon as the Chiefs got the ball back, you just knew what was going to happen. The Chiefs were going to drive down. Well, they only had to go like 15 yards. And yeah. they ended up getting that difference in the penalty right there. But um, I also um, – last thing about the about football before we dive into baseball 
is I, mean, <laughs> I guess we have to. Yeah. I mean, that seems like a probably a good idea since we're called the baseball insiders. But um, I really appreciated what there was a Bengals defensive tackle um, after the game who stood alongside the linebacker who had that penalty against Patrick Mahomes. I can't remember their names, um, but he stood up there and like defended his guy and made sure he had his back. And it's like, I find that refreshing. I think what the Bengals have there, what Zach Taylor's done is really impressive. The culture, obviously the talent is there. Um, they're going to be back. And that rivalry with the Chiefs is legit. Um, huge fan. Um, but I will say the Eagles Chiefs Super Bowl, Reed versus his old team, Kelsey brothers. It's freaking cool, man. Like I, Two weeks from now, that's Sunday. They can't get here soon enough. Like I'm, I'm probably gonna drive myself nuts. BJ yeah, Hill they, got out by obviously a burner. BJ Hill, yeah, really showed up uh, for his friend and teammate in a low moment. And uh, oh, what's Jermaine? Uh, the other Bengals, yeah, Jermaine Pratt, the other uh, Bengals linebacker, did not. Uh, he was caught screaming, uh, "Why the fuck you touched the quarterback?" or something on the way back to the locker room. Um, so shout out to BJ Hill for being the bigger man. Pratt is a free agent, and I would suspect probably finds a new home after being so publicly dismissive of his teammates' mistake. I'm I'm starting to think you're onto something with that one. That that seems that's that sucks. That really sucks. Yeah. That's the football. That's the football insider's take. I'm going to go ahead and suspect that Pratt is probably going to seek a new refuge in free agency. But you're right, the Kelsey Bros. Uh, I, I'm glad we're getting this podcast out now too because I think three or four days from now, the rest of the world is going to be like, stop talking oh, about yeah. the Kelsey bros. But for now, very it's awesome. Oh yeah. Uh, but I figure by Thursday. Yeah. It's going to end up being, people are going to be sick of it. I'm, I'm already very ready for that to happen, uh, but I love their podcast though. That's one of the best ones out there, but not as good as the baseball insiders that much. I'll say no second best to the baseball insiders. And I do feel like we have to fulfill the promise of the podcast and its title and its co-host by talking a little baseball. Uh, I mean, of course we we're you look end of January, middle of February, we are just itching, waiting for these teams to report to spring training. So we get quotes, we get, uh, you know, see who shows up uh, skinny or fat with so much to dissect once they actually get to spring training and the world baseball classic for now, we are relying on the teams making waves. We got a couple of extension bombs at the end of last week, truly the tail end. The last time we spoke, you hinted at some Rays extensions to come. We are definitely going to talk about the Red Sox uh, and Jerks and Profar as time goes on. We have an angry comment asking why we have to talk about the Mets. We're going to talk about the Phillies too. Jose Perez, they made a move uh, at the Horn. Uh, I believe during Eagles Niners, the Phillies made a fleece yesterday for a couple of million yeah. dollars. Yeah, uh, actually, time out. I'll even I'll yeah. even get into that because I like I legitimately so when I watch Eagles games, I try to disconnect. Like that's my time to just be a fan, to like forget about what else is happening in the world. I pick up my phone, and I had a text that said Josh Harrison to Phillies one year for two million, um, and it was like an hour late or hour after the fact, and I would have had it. But me watching the Eagles game kind of screwed me on that so um good looks by me but that was like a his it was a sneaky signing by the phillies like he's a veteran infielder he can play a bunch of different positions um and they had just traded a bunch of their bench guys uh to the tigers for gregory soto mm -hmm. so that's kind of what they have in mind there um i thought for two million no risk and he can end up being a nice veteran guy off the bench 
Um, and I think that's the kind of moves that we'll see the Phillies make if they make additional moves after this. Um, two million, you can't go wrong. Two million, you can't go wrong. And the splits on Harrison last year, I mean, he, Josh Harrison isn't a surprise to anyone at this point. No one's waking up being like, I'd never heard of Josh Harrison before, but 300 hitter in both June and September, October, uh, 322 in June, 303 in the end of the season, 284 in August. He had a positive OPS plus over the 100 threshold in uh, three of the final four months of the year. And in August, it was 99. So he was basically a, a, an above average hitter for the final four months of last season for the Chicago White Sox. Probably most of us stopped paying attention to the White Sox. And uh, there you go. Uh, Josh Harrison, good player at a bargain, $2 million. Uh, for the city that uh, has ended up in the World Series and Super Bowl back-to-back. And I have to ask, while we're on Josh Harrison, the Yankees have like $3 million to work with right now under the Cohen tax. They don't have a left fielder. Why not Josh Harrison for not even that full $3 million? Yeah, I I don't get it either. Um, maybe they just want to add a left-hander to even out that lineup. I mean, that's the only way... I can see that not see them not pursuing a guy like Josh Harrison. I, it's still I know we touched on a, or touched on it in the last podcast, but they're in a really tough position here trying to fill that left field void. I mean, you can trade a guy like Kiner Falefa. You could trade Josh Donaldson. Um, there's another one in there too that they could probably trade if they wanted to. Yeah, I mean Aaron Hicks. Nobody wants him go. on the nobody wants him on the opening day roster, and yet he's probably going to be the starting left fielder at this point. Yeah, because he he's almost untradeable. I mean, his contract not a good contract. Donaldson, I just can't see anyone wanting to take on that contract either, especially with his reputation that he has throughout the league. Mm-hmm. Um, it's they're in a bit of a bind. Like their left field could end up being just a glaring weakness. Um, going into opening day unless they get creative or some team desperately wants one of those guys. If they're going to trade somebody, I think Connor Falef is probably the most likely uh, or just because he's like the, the easiest guy to trade. That's not because I think a trade is likely, but um, Brian Cashman's got his work cut off for him there. So Harrison may not make the most sense on paper just because he's a right-hander, but like if they, if there's a left-hander or left-handed hitter who becomes available at a cheaper rate, I still think David Peralta makes so much sense with, with the Yankees, but he'll probably be priced out. I'm looking at probably six or seven million there. It's gonna be tough for Cashman, long story short. Yeah, all of these I'm not even like the pile on Cashman guy, but it is very funny that he doesn't usually do the Braves foundation thing of extending people <laughs> ahead of time. And yet he did it uh, with Aaron Hicks and Luis Severino. Hicks has never lived up to that season pre-extension ever again and has torn his wrist sheath and had Tommy John surgery and Severino had Tommy John surgery as well. And uh, had a barking shoulder for a while. So over two there, uh, Sevy's a great player, but clearly over two in the extension. department. No, absolutely. He is. And, and also like, there's another question that I want to address here with that. Obviously a burner asked, cause he's, mm-hmm. he's a very active fellow in our comment section. He's asked when that source texts you and you don't leak it or report it, is that relationship hurt or stressed? Um, in that case, that's somebody who I'm really close with and they know how much of an Eagles fan I am. And I texted him like, dude, I I'm sorry. I was watching the Eagles game and his response was a bunch of laughter emojis. And he said, uh, you lead the league in getting scooped. So that's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was tough. Um, that was a gigantic L by me, but Hey, he's not wrong. I appreciated him looking up though. And I, I made sure I let him know that for sure. It was Mike Trout on the sidelines. 
I have no comment at this time. (laughs) (laughs) That is, I mean, I do feel like that's a great question by obviously a burner, but I think that the answer, I mean, the answer is telling in that like sometimes you forget when you're outside the game that like, these are people, these are human relationships. Like you can, you can salvage something like that with a joke. Like people make mistakes. People uh, like life is funny. Like it's not always like a zero sum game of like, blocked you know banned yeah, exactly yeah and and also another part of this too is like um on the on the last show i i referenced that there was a raise extension that was close and i actually i had found out there was two i knew it was fairbanks and diaz um and i knew both were like, i knew fairbanks was close uh i knew diaz was like there was progress and uh, ultimately i knew both deals were done but i was asked to not report them just because they were pending physical and um, I ultimately held on to those and I honored those sources requests. And in the long run, for anyone who's like out there trying to get into to news breaking or whatever, um, I think if you hold on to information like that, when people request it, that's going to go a long way in building that relationship and building that trust. So that's something to keep in mind, something I got to remind myself of for sure. But um, play the long game. That's, probably the best advice I've ever gotten with this, with this industry. And you just never know. I mean, I hate when I'm giving Andy Diaz a physical and the x-ray shows he has Carlos Correa in the leg. And then it's like, well, <laughs> thank God I stayed silent on that. Like I never would have known. Yeah. I'm um, see, there you go. I, although I don't, I don't think he's got Carlos Correa's legs. So I don't think we have anything to worry about there. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I was, I was sweating that one because otherwise no. I, I like all these raise extensions. I don't know how you feel about, I mean, Fairbanks is risky. Anytime you're extending a reliever based on past performance, there's always a chance that they uh, have a terrible year or just disappear entirely like Chad Green, who still not signed. Somebody wants Chad Green's rehab. Uh, Los Angeles Dodgers looking at you. Uh, But I like uh, like Springs and I like Diaz a lot. And then Fairbanks is the kind of risk you maybe have to take if you're the Rays. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And for me... um... I think it's it's a smart move for them because obviously they're they have one of the smallest payrolls in baseball, um, and they have to operate in a way where they have to be creative. And the best way of doing that is extending these guys. We've seen the Braves do it um, from everything that we've seen. Um, they don't have a Braves foundation uh, in Tampa, so that's good for them. Um, but uh, in terms of the Rays, it's. Diaz getting him at that contract proved to be a steal. Um, I think that's going to end up being one of the better deals going forward because uh, of what three years for 24 million with an option for a fourth year. Fairbanks mm-hmm. does have risk. Um, like he's got previous injury history. Obviously, as you said, uh, extending a reliever, you just never really know. Um, but it's a calculated risk. And if there's ever a team that I trust making these kind of decisions, um, it's Tampa. So I think it's a smart move for them. Um, I don't think we're going to see any more. Um, I know there's been some people who think that like a Randy or Rosarena type could end up being a contract extension guy. And while I think he would welcome it, I just don't think we're at that point, especially with his age of being Scott Boris. Yeah, there may not be a Braves foundation in Tampa, but there is a Rays foundation and it's a Rosarena and Franco and we build from there. So uh, I, I like the Rays roster forever and it's, it's only a, getting stronger year over year. We're going to see some of the fruits of that uh, labor in the system this year too. Taj Bradley probably do up early as if the Rays need more pitching. Uh, I would implore those of you who are already making your AL East standings predictions 
to check out the Rays rotation again before you finalize those one, two, three spots because it's a terrifying one through five. And a lot of chatter about the Yankees and Mets rotation is probably not as much about Drew Rasmussen, but you, you should probably yeah. be looking at those guys. No, uh, and plus Jason Adam, too. Like, obviously, you're burner again. I feel like I'm shouting him out a lot. Um, <laughs> but, like, Adam is not – like I wouldn't rule out an extension in the future, but right now, no, we're not looking at that quite yet. Let's stick in the AL East for a second, too. We've got more extension stuff to talk about. But uh, Peter <laughs> Neville did bring up – uh, any more Red Sox moves coming after the absolute fleece that Haim just pulled off? I'm going to give Haim Bloom credit. Looks like a fleece to me, too. And we yeah. talked about uh, on the last episode uh, about Matt Barnes' Dodger, uh, about the inevitability of Matt Barnes' Dodger. Apparently, the Miami Marlins saw something they liked in, in Matt Barnes. They've taken, he, they've taken on his money, it would seem, and they have traded the Boston Red Sox. Richard Blyer from the left side, who is a throwback player, does not record strikeouts. The whip is high, 1.44 last year, and he still limits earned runs. He does not allow many runs. He gets outs on soft contact, just dependability, and gives the Red Sox a new look in the bullpen. We know they were looking at Matt Moore types who are asking for $9 million to pitch with their left arms out of the Sox bullpen. Now they enter the year with Blyer for, I believe, 3.5. And... Yeah. Yeah. And the ceiling there. I mean, who cares what the ceiling is? Everybody knows what the floor is. I like that move a lot. So do I. And like Matt Barnes, the guy they traded was a prime candidate for a change of scenery. Like it was clearly not working after the Red Sox extended him. Um, And it was time that each side moved on. I was thinking they maybe might get like cash considerations or a player to be named later. What they got from the Marlins. I mean, that's a a meaningful piece. Um, It could end up being, um, someone that they lean on quite a bit. And I thought of any move that Heimblum made this year, like obviously it's not the best or the biggest move, but as far as under the radar, that could end up having some serious dividends. And plus at a a low cost as well. Um, Yeah, I I can't find any fault in it whatsoever. Um, And also since Blyer, he's making what, as you said, a little over 3 million this year. And Matt Moore supposedly is seeking like what 9 million. I, I have not heard that, but like um, that's what Adam just referenced, but it could save them some room to make additional maneuvers. I don't know specifically of anything that's going on, um, but it could give them a little additional flexibility, which with high and bloom, you never know. Um, but yeah, I thought that was a, a home run for the Red Sox, even though they're sending, what is it like a million bucks? I think according mm-hmm. to Craig Lynch, I believe that's true. Yes. I was looking for, uh, I was looking for the business here while you were talking and I can't find it, but I believe, I believe that's accurate. Yes. Yeah. Cause that's uh, anything Marlins related. Craig Mish can be relying on for sure. He's a hundred percent. He says close to a million dollars. So yeah. <laughs> we'll round, we'll round up and say a million is accurate. Yeah. I, I, I like the move. I, I like Blyer and, and it's interesting because he's the kind of guy you obtain at the deadline if you're the Red Sox and you're still in it like that felt like a deadline need filler and they got it out of the way before the season even started ghosts of Red Sox past. It feels a lot like Brad Ziegler to me. I don't know why that's just, I'm going to throw that out there. I'll tell you, Brad Ziegler was one of my favorite relievers growing up, which that might make some people sound old um, when I say growing up, but um, his, his delivery was awesome. It was phenomenal. Um, Plus he always just seemed to get it done. I was, a huge Brad Ziegler fan. So I think I like that comp. I think that's a good one by you. 
It's the it's funky. It's like it, the Red Sox needed an infusion of Brad Ziegler in 2016, and they got it. Feels like they took care of Blyer before the season began. So kudos to High and Bloom. I uh, who who says I can't remain unbiased on this podcast? Um, although I'll tell you, so, uh, yeah. I don't know what the. Uh, sorry for interrupting you, but I don't know if there's been a bigger upset in the year of 2023 than you praising the Boston Red Sox. Are, are you feeling okay, Adam? Credit where it's due. I, I officially think this Red Sox team, and I'm I'm seeing optimism swell up uh, from the Boston folks. Obviously, like they weren't going to boycott the team forever, but I feel like this roster is firmly in a place where if they end up in last place again, it would not shock me. I don't think it would shock you either. We all we believe in the Orioles. We believe in the Rays. But there is a non there there are now enough names that they have obtained enough. Uh, well-worn veterans who we know exactly what to expect from them that like if everything broke right and they were a 2013-esque playoff team i would also not be stunned no i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised either but i will say i think of any teams in that division that had the inside track to make that kind of a run i'm probably looking at baltimore or even tampa i would can we can put tampa in that category right i think we can i mean tampa's funny people are forgetting about them because they went out and pushed the 100 win mark in 2021. And so when you're comparing 2022 to that team, obviously it seems like they took a pretty significant step back. But uh, the, the, the meat of that 2021 team is still there. Uh, G-Man Choi is gone, but the, the Rays remain. And, and Wander Franco should be available for the entire season this year, you'd think. You would think, at least fingers crossed. I'll tell you, like G-Man Choi, I almost forgot that he was a pirate. Um, that was like one of the first moves that happened this offseason. Pirates have like to me, they've had one of the more sneaky underrated offseasons. Um, it's they're not gonna be like a World Series contending team this year. They're probably not even gonna be in the wild card hunt. At least I wouldn't think. Wouldn't rule anything out, but they've added um Andrew McCutcheon, they've added G-Man Choi, they've added Rich Hill, who I I'm a huge Dick Mountain fan. Love the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've added a bunch of different veterans to that locker room. And that was a huge emphasis for them this winter is they wanted to add a lot of veterans to that young clubhouse to teach them the right way of going about their business and teach them how to win. And they view themselves internally as a team that can take the next step in the next maybe two or three years, maybe even sooner than that. Um, and having those guys around the young players is only going to help them. So um, they entered this offseason with a plan. They've executed it so far. And I love, 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 love the Andrew McCutcheon story. That's probably one of the top three, if not top two baseball stories in the winter. Yeah. And it felt like almost coinciding with bringing McCutcheon back. The Pirates, I, I read like a Pirates hate story earlier this offseason about how they did away with their winter weekend and fan fest sort of silently. They buried it and and fans were clamoring for it to come back. And it came back this weekend. They just held it at PNC Park. So I, I feel like somebody's getting it. The gears are turning now in Pittsburgh. They are. They are slowly but surely turn or churning. And you know what? It's about time because Pittsburgh is a good baseball town. It's a good city. Uh, PNC Park, beautiful, obviously. Um, I'm, I'm hoping for their sakes they can contend because we, we, we need them back above the 500 mark. This also brings up a good point and, and something I did want to touch on in terms of projections this is a good inroad. There are two projections that have caught my eye this past week. Uh, oh. One is Red Sox related, but one is the Pittsburgh Pirates, 
who Steamer projects for 83 wins this year. And and that really snuck up on me because I think I'm with you. I have enjoyed the offseason. I think the veteran leadership uh, can be underrated by some, but maybe didn't make the most sense for this year's Pittsburgh Pirates. But altogether, the objective robots seem to believe this is, you know, the 50th percentile outcome is an above 500 team, which I think is really impressive. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's impressive too. It might be a little bit on the optimistic side, like 83 wins. I mean, you never know. Cause that's what 83 and 79. Mm-hmm. I would, I would be pleasantly surprised if that ended up happening. I think if we're looking at closer to 75 wins, I think that's like probably about right. Maybe a little bit more than that. Um, I'll tell you if, if that, if they get to that mark, or if they get anywhere above that, it's, it's a very successful season for them and allows them to um, really take that next step for next year and give them something to build on. And hopefully at that point, be ready for a wild card. I don't know about a division title yet. Cause the Cardinals and our the Cardinals are really good. We're, we're, we'll see about the Brewers and where they're at in like a year or so. Um, who knows? Maybe the pirates are going to run the NL central in like the next five years or so. Who, I, I, Stranger things have happened, that's for sure. Stranger things have happened like the other projection that I have to ask about. Uh, Masataki Oshida, you and I sort of agreed, like, interesting player. Don't know much about the power projection and the way it plays, uh, you know, in America, but we like the bat. We maybe don't love the defense, nor do we love the cost. Everybody seemed united that, like, Red Sox, so, like, we just, what, what is it? five minutes i went from praising the red sox and talking about this overpay but i think we all sort of agree the executives say you know ah, red sox jumped in with the high bid and they they got it done because nobody was willing to go that high fan grass projections for masataki yushida 3.8 war 298 average 388 obp 19 homers and an 867 ops what happened in the last like two weeks that now he is like a top 20 player in baseball according to the projection robots I, uh, I I don't know. I have no idea what caused the public eye to go from being it being the overpay of the offseason to projections like that. Because that, I mean, that makes him an all star if that's the case. And yeah. I I think those are overly optimistic. Um, yeah, I st- I still think it was probably the the overpay of the well the second biggest overpay of the offseason. I I still can't believe the Padres gave Xander Bogarts two hundred eighty million. Like. That's not a knock on Xander Bogarts by any means. I don't want it to sound like a Xander Bogarts slander whatsoever, but um, they exceeded the Red Sox offer by like a hundred million. That's uh, that blew me. It blew everybody in baseball out of the out of the water. Like that, that was shocking. So, um, so yeah, I I, I think th- those projections for Yoshida are too optimistic for my liking. We will check in again in a couple of weeks during Oscar week when we give out our awards to see if uh, that's still the biggest overpay of the offseason or if Yoshida still takes the cake for weirdest projections. Um, Before we wrap it up, we got to talk. We got to talk about the New York Mets who are the cover image of this. Uh, of this yeah, that seems a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a, I know. I have this wild idea where we should technically match the episode name and, and description and, and talk about. That's my bad. Hand up. Uh, with too many comments telling me not to talk about the Mets. I briefly decided we weren't going to talk about the Mets. But the Mets probably made the biggest ripples of the uh, end of last week. Taking care of Jeff McNeil. 
which I think uh, I don't think most of us had our, our uh, antenna tuned on that, but clearly a below market extension. Four years, fifty million, a player option that could bring it to sixty three point seven five over five years. McNeil is getting up there in age; he's entering his thirties, uh, but since debuting a little late, has been spectacular. One of the best players in baseball. If he had only debuted a couple years earlier, we might be talking Hall of Fame track, which is crazy, and yeah. it it does feel important to point out that Steve Cohen, the bajillionaire, hasn't only been good for signing high-profile free agents, but also taking care of the Mets' own guys and, and making sure that the, the the part of the culture he wants to maintain is maintained. So what can you tell me about this McNeil deal, and uh, how do you sort of feel about the fit long-term? I thought, I mean, obviously there's risk in doing extensions. Like, I don't want to say there's not any risk, but for the Mets, I thought it was a smart deal. Um, because if he's when he eventually becomes a free agent, he would far exceed that if he continues at this rate. Um, and getting him for basically what 12 and a half million a year, you can't go wrong with that. And my first reaction to this wasn't exactly necessarily thoughts of like what I thought of the deal, it was when are we going to see the Mets do a Pete Alonso extension? And from everything I have gathered, that's probably not going to happen before the season. Um, we'll see if that changes. Uh, negotiations are obviously the, I mean, you, you, things can change in one phone call. That's basically how I've, I've learned about it with, with any negotiation. Um, but if I was the Mets and I was running the show there, extending P Alonzo and ensuring that he is a New York Met for the rest of his career should be, and would be numero uno priority. Um, he is a franchise altering player with, a roster that's basically full of franchise altering players at this rate. Mm -hmm. Um, I I absolutely think they should do it. I don't think we're at that point quite yet, but doing extensions of that magnitude, um, they're tricky because we're talking about a lot of years. We're talking about a lot of dollars. Um, So all I'll stress with that one is patience. We'll see. Um, But I just don't think we're at that point quite yet. Yeah. Alonzo not slated to hit free agency until after the 2024 season. So we do have some time. I was I was wondering the same exact thing, though, and I was wondering if it was, you thought, a matter of like a gulf between the offers or if he's just a guy who's determined to hit free agency, like we were told Mookie Betts was. I don't like do you think Pete Alonso might be amenable to an extension or is this patience going to be two years worth of patience? And then, of course, the Mets will have their fair shot to figure it out. I absolutely think that Pete Alonso would be amenable to an extension there. Like, I think he'd absolutely be, absolutely be open to it. Um, I think the Mets would be open, open to it too. And like, I'm not reporting there's mutual interest, but like, I mean, clearly he likes being in New York and the Mets, mm-hmm. what's not to like about Pete Alonso. And when there's, um, and when there's mutual interest or when there's a situation like that, um, that's usually a good sign that a deal will eventually get done. But as I said, it, we're just in a complicated spot with this because it's just like it's so many years and so many dollars that it, it's going to take time. That's that's all that's all I can really say about that one. Understood. And I think Mets fans are notoriously hard to calm down. But I think uh, during the Steve Cohen era, patience is a virtue. And I don't think you have to yep. worry quite as much about letting things get out of hand. Uh, they're being handled. Agreed. Yeah. Like you have, you never have to worry about money when it comes to Steve Cohen's Mets. Like he is, he hands money out like it's hotcakes. 
Um, and I respect it. it's great for baseball. I, I really believe that. Um, do I, th- and do I think that Alonzo is going to be a Met long-term? Oh yeah. Just patience. Patience, as you said, is a virtue. Man, I really want some hotcakes. I'm not going to lie to you. Hotcakes do sound good right about now. Yeah. It's the witching hour. It's like four o'clock. I'm thinking hotcakes. Um, oh, I will say hotcakes are better with no syrup and no butter. That is my take for the day. Anyone who puts butter on pancakes, they, they should probably be thrown in jail. I don't do butter. I think I, I do prefer them with syrup. Here's my take. Hotcakes, great food, worst nickname. I guess hotcakes, like, I can see that, I guess. But, like, I don't, just call them a pancake. That's what they are. Yeah. Or a yeah. flapjack. I mean, if you want to go that route. But, like, yeah, I would, yeah. I would say flapjack and pancake both over hotcake. Hotcake doesn't tell you what it is. Sounds like a hot piece of cake. So yeah, like, we're right. not going to get hot ice cream cake. I mean, that, that, it's just going to melt. What do you, you fools, want me to heat up a Carvel? What are you, what are you telling me to do? Hot cake, no thanks. Exactly. Yes. Team no team no syrup on this end. That's all I got to say about that one. Team or anti, uh, anti-hot cake. That's what I am. And plus <laughs> anti-hot take too. Oh, no. You would never find any hot takes, nor will you find hot cakes on this podcast. <laughs> Uh, and that's why you have to subscribe because the baseball insiders are live 3:30 Eastern time every Monday and Thursday, all off season long, right here on YouTube. And if you miss the YouTube, go to the audio feed. We've got a, a secondary recording of the broadcast for you, um, and it's sort of a perfect time where if you want hotcakes for dinner on the East Coast, get your order ready. You've yeah. got about two hours to order. If you want a nice lunch, brunch on the West Coast, the timing is also prime there. No, absolutely it is. And I mean, if you, you, we're, we're adults. We can have hotcakes whenever we want to. It's it's a glorious thing about being an adult. We can make our own decisions, which I've got to love that. But And also, I mean, speaking of, of subscribing to the Baseball Insiders, Adam, um, you can only find out here that I may or may not have some sort of scoop coming later tonight because um, you wouldn't get that kind of a tease in my Twitter feed. I won't give you the facts there. Yeah. May, may. I got to figure out if it's legit, but um perhaps stay tuned to my twitter feed later tonight nothing nothing too crazy but news is news you you don't tease on twitter but you tease here and and that's why we love having you on the podcast um uh, before we sign off two of my favorite stories of the weekend and i want to touch on both i've got a fly eagles fly for you and a why eagles why i've categorized these into one pro eagle story and one why on God's green earth did this happen story. Your fly Eagles fly story. I hinted at Trout earlier. He was at his usual seat for the NFC championship game, New Jersey's own Philadelphia Eagles season ticket holder, Mike Trout want to shout him out. However, the world cannot let this man enjoy his Eagles games in peace. They had to take to Twitter to troll him over us. Oh, the only playoff game Mike Trout will ever see Ugh. like uh, congrats on being one of, 700,000 accounts to tweet that joke. Uh, But I want to check your optimism and check your polls because I want to give Mike Trout a gift. Uh, I want him to fly Eagles fly. Is this the year the Angels break their playoff trout and shut down that joke for at least a calendar year? Yes. Should I say fly? You're going to give that a fly? 
I'm going to give that a fly. I think this is the year. I think their hitting is more is deeper than it was. I think. Um, I I think they could always use another pitcher, another reliever, but I, I think this is the year. The last year that, or the perhaps the last year that Shohei Otani is with the Angels, um, that they end up making the postseason. So, um, and Trout will, will perhaps get his first ever playoff win, which is still the most wild stat to me in sports. Like Mike Trout the best player in baseball. Shohei Otani, also probably one of the best players. In, well, not probably. He is one of the best players in baseball. Does yeah. not have a world postseason win. Like, that is absolutely mind-boggling to me. This is the year. Gotta be. Gotta be. Gotta be. Gotta be. Especially with the new wild card. I mean, they're one and two in the game. Trout has this career-threatening issue potentially last year and comes back to hit 321 with a 390 OBP, 1133 OPS, 12 bombs in September and October. Just when you count them out, it's time to count them back in. Uh, I was at one of Mike Trout's three playoff games. <laughs> you want to talk about absurd? I cannot believe it. I, like, I think about me then and me now and how much time has passed between those two. I had a, somebody got drunk and got kicked out of our section in Anaheim. It was a Royals oh. fan who was trying to fight everybody. And my friend and I left the game. It was an extra inning game. Uh, the Royals won on the road. And we left the stadium and we saw the kicked out guy walking around the, the border of the stadium kind of looking for us. We got in our car and left. He didn't see us. That was so long ago. That was nine. It was coming up on nine years ago when we reached this oh. postseason. Mike Trout's playoff career, three games, one for 12 with a solo homer, three walks and two Ks. Not how it should be. I'm just I'm just glad that that guy that got kicked out didn't end up seeing you. I'm I'm wondering what caused. I don't know. I'm wondering if there was if you guys instigated or what happened there. No, it was very odd. It had nothing to do with us. We didn't say a word to him. He was just a progressively drunker and drunker KC Royals fan. Uh, I think he started. He was like the row in front of us. I think he started talking smack to the people right in front of us eventually got up and was kind of belligerent like the zombies from last of us. And then security took him out sometime around the eighth or ninth. I think the game went 12. Uh, and when we left the stadium, he was walking around the outside of the stadium, like a non-playable character in a video game, like not looking up, walking back and forth, looking at the ground. And we nice. got out of there, but it was crazy to see him still there. Yeah, that is crazy. I'm just glad that you, you got out of there in one piece. Uh, otherwise we wouldn't be here today. So, no. that, yeah, that's uh shout out to you for making it out of there safe. But hey, you being able to see one of three that playoff games that Mike Trout has played in, that, uh, that's not something many people can say. No. And let's let's get that changed this year. Uh, before we sign off, I'll give you the why Eagles. Why? Just because I have to. I have questions. I just don't know what this is. Uh, the, B, <laughs> yeah. the BBWAA awards dinner was this past week. And Justin Verlander and Sandy Alcantara got their Cy Youngs. Uh, I learned a lot this weekend. Uh, both of the pitchers posed with their Cy Young awards. Both awards spelled valuable wrong. Both awards had 1950s Dodgers ace Don Newcomb's name on them. I learned, I guess, that these are prop Cy Youngs that they're taking photos with. They must be. Uh, maybe the real things uh, we've all seen manufacturing delays over the holidays. Maybe they're stuck in a different country. Who knows? Uh, but I also learned that valuable is on the Cy Young. Uh, did you know that? I did not know that. I did not know that. And the fact that it's on there, like 
do they call it a most valuable pitcher? I mean, the most valuable arm. I mean, I, I don't know what they what they call it here. Like, why would they have valuable on there? That, that doesn't make any sense. It's it's straightforward, Adam. It is yeah. Cy Young Award. It's not most valuable Cy Young Award. That's very strange to me. I did not know that. I was today years old when I learned that, or mm-hmm. a few days ago the, years old when I learned that. The text on the Cy Young, it's, it's Cy Young Award on top. First presented to Don Newcomb, sure. Most valuable, V-A-L-U-B-L-E pitcher, 1956. I feel like we should get these guys awards with their own names on them. So I'm giving it a Y equals Y, simply Y. Have it ready. Uh, airbrush out the name Don Newcomb. And I don't know if Sandy Alcantara is going to win another one of these. Let's get him an award with his own damn name on it so that he could put it in his foyer for interested parties to go look at. Thank you for that, because I am 100% in agreement. We're living in the year 2023. We absolutely deserve to have these guys. Well, we, but they deserve to have their names on these trophies. It's They should be able to get it done. They should, they should know the results well beforehand. So, um, yeah, they, they, they should have that on there. Final answer. That is a great Y Eagles Y, by the way. I had to mention it. I didn't want to get out of here before putting MLB on blast, putting their feet to the fire just a little bit. Also, uh, Brian Hoke. Yankees reporter presented one of those awards and got a nosebleed during his presentation on the dais and was humble enough to put up the photos of uh, you want to talk about last of us, some spooky bloody nose action. So uh, stay humble. This game will humble you if you don't. uh, And uh, I don't want to be in that position ever. So kudos to Brian. Yeah, Kudos to Brian. And like, also, do you mind if I end up telling a story real quick? No, of course not. I, this podcast will go as long as you want it to. There we go. Well, um, I'll, I'll promise I keep this short. But it was my first ever winter meetings. It was in uh, it was in Washington or it was in Nashville actually, um, and I was meeting an executive who I'd been talking to for a little bit over text and DM. Um, really good guy. Like he was somebody I instantly felt comfortable with. And as soon as I ended up meeting him, uh, we like, did the bro hug, started talking. I got this just it was a huge nosebleed like i had never gotten a nosebleed in my life and my nose just starts gushing and i run to the bathroom and i'm holding my nose in there like that with the tissues stuffed up my nose um and it lasts for 15 minutes and 30 minutes and then 45 minutes and then he comes in there and makes sure like i haven't passed out or i'm still alive uh, and I'm like, yeah, I'm just, uh, my nose is, is stop, like stopping bleeding. And he stayed in there with me the entire time to make sure I was okay. And um, now we, we've become incredibly close. I guess we've bonded over a nosebleed. So um, yeah, who would have thought, but it, uh, that was the lowest I've ever felt. So I can absolutely relate to Brian Hoke. Uh, by the way, rhymes with Coke. Um, mm-hmm. and, yeah. So I, I feel bad for him, but he's a trooper. I'm a huge Brian Hoke fan. What's crazy is that Fangraphs projected that nosebleed for 45 minutes. So it's like, how did they? How did they know? I don't know. It's unbelievable. I'll tell you, Fangraphs. Yeah, they uh, they they know all. They know baseball. They know nosebleeds. They they know everything. I shout out to them. Who would have thought the streamer projections could end up doing doing nosebleed? <laughs> well, spring training is right around the corner. From the nosebleed seats to the front row, it's almost time to take in real MLB action. And we will continue to come to you Mondays and Thursdays, 3.30 Eastern. If you miss the live feed on YouTube, get the audio feed. But why would you miss the live feed? Because just subscribe 
to the baseball insiders and you'll get the feed as it goes up every Monday and Thursday. And as we get closer to spring training report dates, you're going to get nuggets like nosebleed stories and teases of potential signings only here. Uh, Robert's Twitter feed is strictly for the news, but this feed it's for the fun and also go birds. Oh, of course. As always go birds. Yeah. And, uh, and especially for baseball news too. I can't even joke about that. We'll, we'll hopefully have some more news here coming um, in a little bit, at least fingers crossed. Um, but I always appreciate you guys tuning in and go birds and Adam, as always, you're the man. Robert, you continue to be the man and I'll see you again. And all of you folks, please join the comment section. Keep it lively and active on Thursday. Goodbye, everybody.